Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver, Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solve, the final episode in the Confident Women Leaders series. This week, I get the opportunity to chat with Susie Palmer True. Myself and Susie, we have um, connected via LinkedIn and I've become familiar with Susie's work over the last probably 18 months now. Um, Susie offers so much value in such a short period of time on this interview. I hope you get so much from it as I did in the conversation with her. But I also just want to also say thank you to every single guest I've had on this Confident Women Leaders series. It has been amazing to, uh, to get the perspectives of these inspirational and motivational females and what they're doing and the journeys that they've had to get there. If you've enjoyed the series, um, please do just uh, sub- subscribe to the podcast and also rate it on whichever platform that you do listen. Thank you. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved today. I have the amazing pleasure of chatting with Susie Palmer True. How are you, Susie? I'm all right, Lee. I'm good, lad. Yeah, good, good. Hey, it's not it's not often people people say I'm all right, Lee. Good lad. Good. Do you finish many Do you finish many sentences with the word lad? Uh, I, I probably finish most with love. To be fair. Oh, do you? Yeah. Do I was you? trying to be professional, you know. Oh. Well, well, thank you. Thank you. It's all right, Laura. Yeah, I, I feel, I feel honoured. Um, right, okay. So for those people who don't know who Susie is, who is Susie and how has she got to sit in that seat today? Oh, big question. Um, so I suppose that the bare bones. So I, I am Susie Palmtree. I'm, I'm a mum, a wife. Um, I'm now I'm a chief exec of a, a student union. So it's so a charity for, for anyone who doesn't know what they are. Um, and how I got here was probably through a selection of bad decisions, mishaps and, and hilarious fumbles in terms of my, my career. So, you know, I, I started arguably, you know, full circle where I am now. So I, I started out as a, as a president and a student union. Um, and that is as egotistical and as much of a wank as you think that that sounds like. You know, I was that person who thought that they could change the world. Um, and I started this, you know, almost this adventure thinking that I was unstoppable and you could do it all on your own. And it was just time to, you know, g- go get everything. Um, and that was the start of my career. And arguably, whilst it didn't necessarily pan out in the way that I thought it was going to go um, in terms of, you know, I'm not queen of the world. I'm not in charge of everything. It set me up for some phenomenal adventures. You know, my first part of my proper career, you know, my first real job. You know, was working in a, in a university. I spent lots and lots of time in universities, you know, working with people, building teams, changing organisations, um, and generally making lots of mistakes and learning from from all of those mistakes. You know, my, my how I got to where I am now is through some, you know, egotistical misjudgments in terms of chasing a salary or a job title rather than actually understanding who I was and what I wanted to be and who I needed to be. And it was only, you know, I talk about my career. You know, it's, I, I'm only 35, it's 15 years, you know. I know that there is, I know there is so much more work to be done, huh. you know, and, and I'm at that sort of like that early stage of my leadership career and adventure. But you know, through each of my decisions, I learned something about me, which meant ultimately I could help people in a different way and I could lead in a different way and I can shape and influence the world that we're in. And arguably, you know, sometimes that world feels quite small and, and the impact you're having feels quite small. But, 
you know, I've I've worked across big organisations. I've done complex project management. I've done big keynote speaking. I've I've written a bloody book. And at the same time, I'm still a normal Northern lass who calls people love and is slightly too over familiar with pretty much the entire population. <laughs> And I think a lot of that comes down to knowing who I am as a as a human. You know, I think we can spend so much time being the, the leaders that the world wants us to see, you know, wear the right clothes, speak the right way, write the right reports. But actually, you know, it's about having skin in the game, about understanding who you are and, and what your organisation wants to be. It's about wearing a bit of your heart on your sleeve and and, and feeling those feelings and, and riding through and, and in the main rolling with the punches, because to be fair... It always feels like something's kicking you in the tits every other week from a, you know, from a from a leadership position. I think quite late in terms of where I am now is I realise that you don't have to do it on your own. You know, yeah. I, I work, you know, I have an, an incredible team. I've always had great teams. You know, the people that I've worked with made me the leader that I am today. You know, they showed me what worked. They told me what didn't. You know, they gave me those opportunities to take people on, on adventures and tell their own stories. But now as a as a chief exec it can feel incredibly lonely um and sometimes it feels like you're a bit billy no mates and you just want somebody to hold your hand and I think it's knowing when you need to ask for help and how to ask for help I, yeah. I work with an incredible coach you know she looks after my head and my heart I work with some incredible business strategy brains who challenge me to to create an organization that we need and and to work in a way that will will challenge us to future proof and and to work in a really good way together and I can't do that on my own because I need, I need that challenge as, as a leader to, you know, to mess stuff up and for people to have your back and, and to know when things are, things are going well. You know, I think, you know, if you look at, you know, sort of like career highlights and things, you know, everyone wants you to say it was the time that you won an award or the time that everybody clapped. But actually it's, it's the moment when a member of your team texts you on a Friday and goes, cheers for this week. Yeah. And, and you know that you've made a connection with the real people because actually, you know, leaders, managers, you know, we're all just normal people trying to make the right decisions by the world that we're in and the, the people that surround us. And actually, you don't always get it right. I reckon 50 50 is a pretty good split for most people. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that's a big part of, of that full circle in terms of, you know, you, you start somewhere and you know what you want to be. And then you realize that you've become that person that you set out to be. Um, and that's both a, a minute to be incredibly proud, but also quite reflective in terms of what comes next. We could, um, um, so, yeah, sorry to interrupt with this, Susan. We could, right. we could stop the interview now, right? And, and go, and I could put that out because what you've said in the, like just in your introduction in the first few minutes of conversation is arguably um, loaded with so much value uh, that, that people, I, I encourage to just to listen again to the words that you've used throughout the whole of, uh, the whole of that. Are you okay with, if I just, just pick into little bits of it, just some of the things yeah, that, yeah, that I've, and, and the pick reason why I've been, the, the reason why I interrupted you is, is purely because my memory um, wouldn't allow any more questions to go into my brain. <laughs> um, and I didn't want to forget my first one. Um, I've so, that often show up. So yeah, good work. Yeah. So, yeah. So thank, thank you. So my first question is you started with mum and wife and then chief exec. Why? Cause that, that's who I am, you know, work is work is a massive part of, of what I do and, and and how I've become and how I operate but you know the most the most important thing to me is my family it's my heart you know they're the ones they're the ones that I go home to they're the ones that you know send you back out again after rubbish days and they're the ones that bring you a beer halfway through a meeting you know I, you know you need 
you need that unit and whether it's a family or whether it's your mates I don't think it matters but work will never be first for me yeah amazing. my family always will uh, no, I, I love that. And just, just, just for clarity, um, are they on the payroll if they bring you beers halfway through a meeting? Is that? No, no, no. <laughs> Harry, Harry can quite often interject, uh, you know, post bath time. So sometimes you see like a bare set of bum cheeks run through. They're definitely not on the payroll. Although one day you'll probably, well, like, it cost me enough in bloody toy cars. So you might yeah. as well be on my payroll. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Love it, love it. What comes through? Um, there's two things that, that strike me after family about what you've said during your introduction. The first thing is, um, is the acceptance of failure or learning or miss I mean, you use the word mishaps and and have you always um been comfortable with these opportunities to learn um as opposed to failure do you know what i mean you, because because yeah, yeah. for a lot of people they're seen as negative but in your introduction they are part of you getting to where you are now um so have you always been that person that has been accepting of that no, I don't think so. Like early, early on in my career, I had to be taught about how to fail well. You know, there's almost an immediate response when something goes tits up where, you know, you know, fight or flight kicks in and you can start to panic and you, your brain goes quite animal. And actually what you do in those sort of like moments after tend to cause you more harm than good, you know. And it took, you know, a, a fair amount of a fair amount of people to show me how to turn those into into good things and how to make them more memorable and useful. Like I am. Um, had an interview for a job which is basically hilarious um and they asked me you know can you describe a time when you have failed and they gave me an option to you know one you can blame it on the organization and two you can take the accountability yourself so i you know being me took the accountability on my accountability myself told them about this basically massive epic failure and their faces was like i'd literally just had a wee on their feet <laughs> it was in that moment where I realized you know this room of people want me to be okay with failure but they weren't okay with failure you know that what actually happened you know, it wasn't as exciting as I've just made it sound you know there was no lions and tigers and bears you know it was just a business failure yeah. but the way that they received it was well it was almost laughable you know they were almost more scared about the fact that I was so okay with failure that you could see them backtracking and you know and, and trying to make it into something that was less and it was just quite weird to see how people pretend to be okay with failure, but but they're not. And I think genuinely now, you know, I, sometimes I'm scared of failing. You know, I I can be quite risk adverse. I can be quite nervous. I, I struggle with anxiety. And, you know, the thought of going at something, knowing that there's a high chance I'll fail, doesn't necessarily bring out the best in me. But I have good mechanisms and good tools and good people where it feels safer for me to, to do that now and, and to show other people how to do that now. You know, if somebody in my team... You know, drops a bollock I'll be the first person to to help them out I'm never gonna be the first person to to bury them and I just think that takes time and patience to get there how have you created that environment where it's accepting of failure or if somebody's listening to this I think I guess it's a, a two-part question and I'll ask them both together so that you have to remember both parts and not me okay. um so how have you created an environment that is accepting of failure and and how have you as an individual become accepting of failure through your journey? Because there might be people listening to this that, that where failure isn't allowed where they work or they're not, they don't believe that they're allowed to learn from it. I think it is like, um, you know, when you go to a train station, there's those nice postcards that have like all the motivational quotes. There's one of them that's something like, you know, but what if we fail? And it's like, you know, dot, 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 but what if you fly? 
Yeah. And that's always sort of like stuck in my head because when we make big, big decisions or we make strategy or we change direction, the first question I always want to know the answer to is what happens if it fails? And that's not in a, you know, everything explodes and the world goes on fire. You know, what happens if it doesn't pan out in the way that we, we want, the way that we envisage it? Like, what are our other options? So when we set off into a big journey or, or into a change, we, we know. We know what could hit us and we know what that might feel like. We know what it looks like. We can have indicators. We can have like little warning signs. And then we know. So we start from a position of, oh, this could go a bit, <laughs> this could yeah. go a bit gnarly. But then there's that option about, you know, what does good look like and how brilliant does it feel and what's the, what's the other opportunity? And we always shoot for that one, knowing in our back pocket that we know what it looks like if it goes up the swanee. And I think for me, it's about always understanding that. When I talk about failure, I don't talk about, you know, flippant mistakes that we do because of poor judgment or because we're lazy or we don't invest enough time. Um, I talk about things like when they don't come out in the wash, when the best of intentions doesn't deliver in the way that you want. And that's very, very different. Like, I don't suffer falls. You know, if, if you if somebody balls us up because they are not careful, because they don't care about the people or the organisation, like, that doesn't wash with me. But if things don't go our way, then there's always another chance and there's an, always another day that you can fly. And, and that's the one that we shoot for. Yeah, yeah. No, completely. I, I resonate and, and, and love a lot of what you're saying as well. The, the second thing when you were coming for your, going through your introduction is the importance of people. So um, you, you said about the importance of your team, the importance of that you've got support with business strategists and coaches that, 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 that help you um, as well. Have people always been important? And you started actually with, uh, with your family as, as, as first, things first. Um, have people always been important to you or is this something that you've learned? I've, I've definitely learned it. I think in, in my early career, the outcome was always important and I always focused on the end game yeah. and it was always a bit sort of dog eat dog. It didn't matter what happened, just get to the end. And what happened during those sort of like early years is I sacrificed a lot of people and I treated people unfairly or or didn't consider them in, in some of the stuff that I did. And therefore they weren't still with us at the end or they weren't still, you know, pulling together at the end. So the the outcome and that final moment of impact was was lesser because you didn't have those brilliant people anymore um, because they'd gone their separate ways or they drifted or they were no longer, you know, they've become a bit apathetic. And then you realise that the outcome is pointless without the people. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, take, it took a long time for me to get there. And even now, you know, people are a pain in the arse. If anyone's going to mess something up, it's going to be a human. And actually, it's about understanding how we help people pull in the same direction, about how we bring together people's needs and aspirations and ambitions and help them handle their fears and, and talk openly and freely about where you are in order to help people move, move forward and move organisations forward, you know strategies aren't delivered like via email they're delivered by people you know impact isn't created by a software solution it's what the people do with it when when they have it yeah. and therefore you know people are crucial essential you know the, the very reason why we do our jobs why we lead teams why we run organizations because people are what matters how do you do that though because um, so if I just talk about just um, culture change as, as an example, I've, I've seen a lot of, lot of organisations, they'll work with marketing specialists and they'll go, we've got our new values and we're going to roll these things out. And it's going to be bold, be brave, be courageous, drive on all of these things. And then they just, then they pass them out 
into the organization and expect everybody to live through those values, um, but they don't able to tell people how to do those things. So you've spoke about a lot about outcomes and things, but how do how have you created that place where you can lead in that way? What what's your secret, Susie? I use a lot of Google. Like, <laughs> like, so, values always make me laugh. So I, um, I've got a bit, a bit of a bugbear about organisational values. So we've just rewritten our strategy, um, and I, I put no values in there, and and the team were a bit. But what about our values? And then some, some group, um, some brilliant people that I'm working with said, "Oh, you'll have values by the time we're finished with you." And I was like, I, I, I don't need organisational values because I have my own. Yeah. So my values are, are love, courage, and growth. And that's that's how I do everything that I do. Yeah. So when I when I'm at work, you know, that's what I aspire to be. When I'm at home, that's what I want to achieve. And I think by knowing your own values and, and staying true to them, you enable other people to both find their own values or to find space in yours. And that's how you create. So it's a step change in culture. You know, this isn't about we're all confident and don't we all love to be here? Because actually, some days work is shit. And we don't all love to be here and we all just want to go home and drink too much wine and pretend it didn't happen. But actually, if we can do so in a way where, especially from from my perspective, where there is a growth opportunity, whether that is a hard one, a supported one or a welcomed one. And we can do so in a way where, where we have conviction that we're doing it in the right way, that it feels right, that it's landed in the right way, that people are responding in the right way. And that you have that combination of your ability to love in terms of maybe what it is you're doing or what it is you're working through and to be loved because you need that equal support and I think by operating in that way for me I create space for people to shape their own bit of culture you know there is no such thing as a single organizational culture like it just doesn't work in that way but if we can create enough space for people to have their own little worlds and for people to to reflect and respect everybody else's little world then you create a culture that is both balanced and kind and accepting and therefore what there's never an opportunity that you can't win if if that's the world that you're in surely yeah yeah love it love it um love it um and again this is the second point where i'm I'm tempted to press stop but i'm not going to press stop we're going to carry on with the conversation because um so your journey you you kind of said when you were going through it that you've closed the loop and it's kind of you started in university and now you, you find your way back to university why what is why? it about? Yeah, yeah. Why? What is it about university that's, that's drawn you back in? So I've actually spent most of my career working in universities. Um, I spent a lot of time at the Open University. Yeah. Uh, probably, the, probably my biggest sort of like per- period of my career to date. You know, universities, education, the creation and creation of knowledge, that continual challenge of possibility and opportunity. You know, there is there is so much space and joy within academia whether that's from a young students you know venturing out for the first time to, to you know to leave home and go and drink too much I keep talking about booze sorry I've, I've took all... the sun out <laughs> <laughs> I, I am really get... thirsty now by the way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to go and create their own space in their world and they get they go off and you know they, they leave families and they create and start their new life versus people who change their career or revisit an opportunity that they'd missed previously or you know or want step changes in their career where they want new knowledge or you know just extreme curiosity you know that's always the thing for me you know knowledge is so powerful 
but it's not a gift. You know, you have to create it, test it, challenge it. And that's what higher education and, and the wider education sector does. And it's phenomenal to see that in action. And, and where I am now, you know, in a student union perspective, you know, everyone, you know, it's not just about, it's not just about the booze, you know, a big part of what we do is around creating those opportunities for students to grow, to see, to, to bridge their academic ambitions with, with their life. Yeah. Um, and, and that's phenomenal. And, you know, from an elected officer point of view, you know, we work with lots and lots of student officers. We create leaders every single year. We bring students in and we show them how to lead and we encourage them to do so. And then they lead their own student population for a year or two years at a time. And to see that in action is is phenomenal. Um, it's hard and, and it's frustrating and it's annoying for all of the right reasons. But but to see them when they fly is is superb. Yeah, no, I love that. I love it. When when you were also doing your in, so when you were also doing your introduction, you said a lot about um, finding yourself, understanding who you are, um, and that's a part of the journey that, that you've been on. How how did you do that? So so when you, when we spoke about values as well, you, you really you you've got clarity around yours of uh, love, courage, and growth. I think with with those are three things. Yeah. Um, so you've got clarity about your values. You've got clarity on who you are as a person and you're an inside and outside of, of, of work. You are the same person with the same values. Um, how, how, have you, how have you become so comfortable in your own skin? God, I, I don't know. <laughs> There's your answer. <laughs> yeah, thank you very I, much. I, I Next question. Know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on. You know, I think I think some of it takes time. You know, there's there's a big part of me. You know, you know, people say, "Oh, we knew it was you because we could see you coming." You know, and that's because quite often at work, I'm either top to toe in bloody leopard print or in a luminous yellow, <laughs> because actually, you know, a big part of my personality is is how I look and is how I feel. And you know, I don't change that whether I'm going to a wedding or whether I'm going to an office because actually. I'm only going to give you my whole self because if I don't, one is I, I'm cheating you because, you know, I've got some pretty good bits that you might not see. But also it means I have to maintain a facade or a bit, create a, a separate persona. And that's that's just absolutely mind blowing. You know, there are times when, you know, I, I struggle with imposter syndrome and I, I think I'm not good enough and I think it's all a bit shit. And I, you know, and I massively struggle. But then it's about coming home to yourself and, and feeling that and, and riding through it. And knowing that it doesn't actually matter whether I'm wearing jeans and a white T-shirt or whether I'm, you know, fully suited and booted with eyelashes and tan, because actually nobody cares, because fundamentally I'm still the same. I have the same capabilities, the same competency. I, I swear the same, you know, I, I don't change who I am. Um, and it's taken a good while to get here. And, you know, and it will probably still take longer for me to be eternally happy and, and eternally consistent with, with my world. But I've got a really good innings. I've got phenomenal opportunities and brilliant people. What's what's there not to love? Yeah. Yeah. So your values: love, courage, yeah. growth. Um, yeah. What's your, what's your dream? Where do you want to take those three things to? And so I guess you 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 are doing what you do now, and you're um, relatively young doing what you're doing now as well. Um, what, what what's your dream, Susa? I like your casual use of relatively there. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it wasn't relatively in, uh, in in them things, was it? It was uh, relatively. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actual relatively. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is, um, I was talking to somebody about it the other day, and I, I was talking about where we were as an organisation, and he said, you know, but what about you? What do you want to be when you grow up? And where, where are you going? And I was like, oh, I think I'll deal with that next year. <laughs> um, and, and that's sort of where I am a little bit, because, 
you know, I, I genuinely don't know what's next. You know, I think having seen what I've seen and made the decisions that I've done, I only want to work for people or places where I can see myself there, where I can see that they'll take all of me for, you know, for all of the time, where it's not a case of, oh, we like this bit, but can you, can you tone down this? You know, my dream is about always being my whole self, you know, taking everything and, and going whole hog and, and finding a, a path that still makes me laugh and still gives me opportunities like this and, you know, still gives me those those moments where you can both laugh and cry and, and, and grow because of it. But in terms of, like, you know, my career, you know, the union and, and the strategy is young. You know, we've got a good few years to to get that going to create the organisation that we want and you know let's see what happens in 2024 I'm just I'm probably not there yet that's not me resigning if anyone reads this watches this (laughs) I haven't just resigned from my job in 2024 I'm just you know just pushing career aspirations out a little bit yeah no completely and and it's and I think what that's a really important point I think what you just said there because it's okay to not know as well you people don't have to have all of the answers to all of the questions right now because a lot of your approach what you what you've articulated is it's done through learning it's testing learning failing getting up and, and going again and and stuff and, and I think a lot of people um that I've spoken to have kind of got these aspirations that in this year they're going to do this and and do that but I think it was Steve Jobs that said you can only join the dots looking backwards you can't join them looking forwards because you never truly know the path that you're going to that, that you're going to lead so no, so, so I think that was a, a really good answer oh, were you going to say something then Susie well no I was going to say I did I, I used to have career aspirations so when I was when I was a bit younger I was really quite fickle so when I was at the Open University and I started there in 2014 I said by the time I was 34 I was going to be a director yeah. you know, and, I, and I was very specific you know that was a specific age and a specific role because actually my mindset at that part of my career was was pretty dogged you know that that's where I wanted to that's what I was going to do and, and ultimately I, I did um but now I think having done that and seen almost what it created in me and the pressure it created I just don't need to do that anymore um I, I don't need to set goals in in that way I just need to follow follow a good path yeah love it love it you uh, you said during your intro that you've you've written a book as well um yeah what what, what prompted you to write that book uh, and I wrote it with a chap called Peter Taylor. And basically what prompted it is um, he tried to imply that he was better than me at a conference. <laughs> and I took him down. Um, and then we said, this would be quite a good book, wouldn't it? And then we basically wrote a book. And that, <laughs> and that, was, and that was it. You know, there was no, I suppose there was no ambitions to ever be an author. Um, but it's pretty cool because you get to say things like, I'm an author. Yes. Um, which, which is quite nice. But there's, there's no money in making, making and writing books. So it's not, it's definitely not a career goal. Do you see yourself writing another? To sum up. I am actually writing another one now. Oh, oh are you? This is exciting. Yeah. What, what, yeah. What, what is this book? Um, it's it's centred around organisational change. Um, and it's current working title is Change Doesn't Need to Be Shit. Yes. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Snappy. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. That's, yeah. So why, why are you writing that book? Um... I'm writing it. It's, it's a lot of there's a lot of stories and, and lessons learned. I suppose you know it's it's basically the inner workings of my brain of when changes worked incredibly well and, and and when it hasn't. You know, I've, I've had a really privileged opportunity to work with a lot of organisations who have done complex change and to teach organisations how to change. And that's everyone from you know sort of Age UK to, to the Ministry of Defence. And there, that's a pretty bonkers spectrum in terms of that level of experience and. The book's basically centred around the work that we did with maybe 10 organisations 
how they change what they learn and then almost like some key leading principles and it's not a it's not a management methodology it's it's, a, it's just a set of stories that help give context and and guide thinking in terms of sort of like more pro- problem solution sort of territory and there's oh, yeah. a, quite a lot of swearing in it as well yeah, well, uh, that, uh, that's, that's no surprise. <laughs> that's no surprise. Um, so what are those principles? What's, what's the secret to successful change? And, and, and I guess I don't, I don't want the, 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 the whole crux of the book, but if you just could sum up the secrets of successful change, because your, um, your career path has, has led with, um, with change and org change mm-hmm. and, and continuous improvement and stuff as well. So what is successful? How do you make change not shit? Well, there's a book you can read on that, Lee. <laughs> how do you make change that shit? Um, I think for me, you know, I am I am openly optimistic that organisational change doesn't doesn't have to be, and I think that's actually the the principle. You know, when we when we set off to make change happen, everyone sets off with conversations around resistance and groups and tribes that won't get on board, and the complexity and the madness, and you know how hard it's going to be. But nobody actually says this could really work well, couldn't it? You know, that's never anyone's open gambit. It always goes straight with the risk is, the cost is, the problem is. Yeah. But just think about how brilliant it would be if we nailed it. And actually, if we could get that as a mindset of when we start any form of change, whether that's, you know, tiny in a team or, you know, massive across organisations or countries, if we set off from a point of, wouldn't it be great if, rather than, oh, when it goes wrong, um, and, and I think that's it. You know, it's that open optimism that change can be brilliant and should be brilliant. Yeah. No. I, yes. Yeah, I, I love that as well because I mean, if a lot of the a lot of the people that that ring me um, or ask me for support or like engage me in, in in stuff is because of that the feeling they're seeing that resistance. So so I hope your your book doesn't fix too many change programs because it put me out of work overcoming that resistance and and then te- and helping people make, deliver like positive change. But I think you're dead right in what what people how people get into it and then they just instantly see those blockers so when's the book out actually because I, I, I want to have a read of this book it probably won't be until uh early next year i don't think early next year no good good i mean um, i'll let you have a pdf I'll send, yeah i'll send you a set of proofs amazing yeah perfect and this is being recorded so um so i will hold you to that susie palmer true um we will, <laughs> we will do that <laughs> so what's what's next for you so you're in an ambitious role at the minute. You've got loads of strategy and stuff. You're writing a book. But what what is it, apart from the sun shining and going to get a glass of wine out in the garden, what's what's next for you? Well, so literally what's next is, is exactly that. So I'm definitely heading back up into the sunshine. <laughs> um, but for me, it's around, from a, from a work perspective, it's about helping my organisation get, get moving on its strategy. It's about setting all those things in flow, which means that we can be brilliant. You know, everything that I want my organisation to be, everything that that union needs to be is about being brilliant in terms of what we do, how we think and how we deliver. You know, for me personally, it's going to be about my ability to step back and to stay in a a leadership position and to support and guide and be, you know, the the lighthouse over there rather than like one one of the boat crew. Because actually... When I'm asked, what I'm asking us to do as an organisation is is phenomenally big. You know, it's a, yeah. it's an absolute whopping hill and set of choppy seas that we're going to go through. And if I can't stay in 
2024, which is our sort of strategic term, and, and show people how to get to me and how we can build as an organisation, we, we won't get there. But that would be hard for me because um, if anyone, especially if any of my mates listen to this, you know, they know I'm a massive meddler and I just can't keep my hands to myself and I can't keep my opinion and I can't shut up. <laughs> so for me, it will be a big challenge around making sure I, I create some of that distance so that my team can be brilliant and I don't become overbearing and really, really annoying. And then I suppose from a, a personal perspective, book, book aside and stuff, I've got a couple of couple of casual triathlons this summer, which I'm hoping to uh, to, to get out and do um, after last year. So I'll treat LinkedIn to a selection of pictures of me in a wetsuit and uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of casual triathlons. Wow, amazing, amazing. So um, how do you, how do, what keeps you motivated? What keeps you going? Because what comes across is you're a really driven, focused, passionate individual um, that's, got, that's clear about who they are and what they do. But what is it that keeps you motivated? And keeps you going I think it's about having a bit of fire in your belly to be fair you know there has to be a reason like there has to be a catalyst um whether that's in your personal life or or, or at work you know there has to be a reason for you to get up and, and do and you know from a work perspective it's it's knowing what it could look like if we fly you know it's that it is about shooting for that horizon and, and looking for the joy and I think that that's the thing that makes me go you know I love I love problems that make my brain hurt like if I can finish a day in the office and you know head in hands weeping because what we've had to do is hard and complicated but it's taken us somewhere better you know that they're my they're my best days you know ask me to sort out you know my inbox or you know do some housekeeping I'm I'm instantly busy and I'm straight in the garden with a beer and I think it's about knowing what your catalyst is and knowing how you create and sustain that fire but also knowing that some days it's fine just to chill out a bit you know you don't you know this isn't about you know the hustle get up at five you know run 10 kilometers eat egg whites for your breakfast you know it's, it's sleep when you need to eat when you need to look after yourself yeah chill out well, a bit go again completely well, one thing that's really come across in this conversation so far is the importance of um of, of understanding what it could look like if it all goes well and um, but also being comfortable and, and and being familiar with what it could look like if it doesn't go as well as, as planned as well. How do you find that balance between those two things? Because when you, when you spoke about um, the lighthouse of getting people to you and kicking off transformations and kind of, and your book is all about focusing on, well, not the, not the shit stuff. It's about the positive and optimistic stuff and, and kind of it, it doesn't all, it doesn't all fail. And, and it's all, how do you find that balance? And is that the same for everybody? No, no, it's definitely not the same for everybody. And it's not the same for me all the time. Like, you have to know what your tolerances are. Like, my tolerance for a member of my team failing is so much higher than my tolerance for myself failing. Yeah. And that's an expectation thing in terms of what I know, what I should be able to do, what I am capable of, and what I should know better. Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, that, that split in tolerances is really important. So you don't assume that everyone is the same because we're not. You don't expect the same from everybody else because that's unfair and not sustainable and shit. And I think it's about knowing what, where your red lines are, you know, and, and knowing when something breaches that tolerance in terms of either whether it's failure or performance or, or change, knowing what you do in those situations and how you respond, because it is around responding rather than reacting you know this isn't about going it's all gone wrong it's about making sure you know what your triggers are and how to balance that and then executing what 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 happens next in in a way that matches either your values or your opinion or, or where you started from 
the big thing of it is is consistency, yeah. but also time to get it wrong again. Yeah, no, completely, completely. And you just mentioned then, um, and and what about understanding what's next? And what's for your tea today? It's actually birthday. Well, I say it's birthday cake. I've eaten cake all day, so there might not be any more space for cake. Yeah, it was. We had a birthday in our house. So basically eating cake from about 20 past seven this morning. So I reckon <laughs> it's probably more cake Amazing. with the beer. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I love that. So I just want to say, Susie, thank you so much for your honesty, conversation, um, and, and just offering so much like value in your answers. Um, to, it's been it's been amazing. And I could have I could have stopped the, the conversation a number of times and and, and kind of put them out as separate episodes. So so thank you for all of that. If people wanted to know more about Susie Palmer True, where would they go? What would they do? And what would they find? Well, don't Google me. <laughs> oh, that makes me want to Google, you know. It does. No, there's nothing, there's nothing exciting on Google. Like Google's got some some hilarious pictures. You can basically see like Susie through the years. So you can see like a, a selection of quality, you know, um hairdos and things. You know, the, I suppose that from a business perspective, most of my most of my stuff, most of my noise is 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 via LinkedIn. Um, in terms of the, the ramblings of a of a northern lass, normally you have too many beers before she starts posting. Um, and that you know that that's sort of me. You you can actually Google me. There are some quite hilarious videos and and talks that I've done before and and stuff with the association project managers. But just get in touch. You know, I'm happy to talk to anybody who well who just wants a chat. To be fair. Um, but I'm also happy to, to share my story and, and to work with people if, if people need a bit of support or a bit of a leg up. Fantastic. And I think that the one question that's on everybody's lips at this moment in time, you've mentioned it a few times, uh, beer or wine? You've mentioned wine and you've mentioned beer. If you had to choose, what would it be? Oh. So, the, uh, wine. I'm going wine. So what, what, what's really funny about this for me is that every single question you've been able to answer perfectly well throughout the whole conversation, really confidently. The, the minute I asked you to choose which drink, <laughs> it's uh, just, just any drink. I, I, well, I, think, I think it can be quite contexty, you know, so drinking wine on a Tuesday afternoon in the sunshine yeah. before you pick your child up from nursery is probably frowned upon, <laughs> whereas a couple of beers is probably all right. So... From a child services perspective, one, I'm not drinking this afternoon because I want to pick my son up. Um, but I think, you know, beer in the sunshine, wine, maybe after four. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Yeah, tough, rough question, rough question. Yeah, but perfect. And, and I think it's no time for you to have that drink, isn't it? So I just want to say, Susie, <laughs> thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to, uh, to get to know you a little bit better through this conversation. Good luck with everything that you've got going on. And I look forward to, uh, to catching up with you again soon. Thanks, love. See you soon. Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the business problem solver, or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.